Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. It's a Friday, end of the month, where this year's just flying by. Joshi Miller here, and uh, I'm alone today. Mr. White uh, had some things that pulled him away, so uh, it'll be me, and uh, I'm not sure how I feel about splitting my personality and sounding like uh, I'm both of us, so I'm just going to run with it, and uh, we'll jump in and get started. So uh, before I forget, I want to remind everyone that next weekend uh, is our fall camp, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Friday evening, the 3rd. Uh, for those who can get in early, training starts at 8 p.m. after our regular classes at the academy, and we'll run until 10 p.m. Uh, and then for those who uh, uh, are making it in for either just Saturday only or just you know, for the rest of the weekend, we start uh, at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. Okay, and uh, the topics, uh, the topic for this camp. Uh, for those who care, uh, kind of ties in with uh, what I'll be talking about a little bit today. Let me get over there. I should have probably brought this up before uh, I signed on and uh, didn't. So anyway, the theme is Ninja no Goshin. Uh, we all know what Ninja is, right? So Goshin, uh, in this context, with the, uh, with the specific kanji that I'm referencing, uh, basically means self-defense, personal protection, that kind of thing, uh, as opposed to what some people try to make it uh, because they only know they only have a limited vocabulary. So uh, I've, I've heard everything from five hearts to I don't know all kinds of weird stuff. So anyway, the whole idea here is in making sure that your skills are straight and ready. Okay, and uh, just quickly, I'll throw out uh, some of the um, some of the topics that uh, I will be covering over the course of the weekend. Uh, so uh, for this camp, I'm going to be looking at adapting the Ninja no Hachimon, the eight gates of the of ninja training. Uh, from way back in the day, right, it was kind of a litmus test uh, in ancient Japan as to determine who was and who was not a ninja, who was and who was not, uh, or what schools were and were not teaching, uh, quote, unquote, needed to, right? And uh, so we're going to be looking at adapting the ninja no Hachimon to 21st century self-protection. So what I'm really going to be looking at is uh, we're going to take the list, right, and then we're going to look at it from the perspective of what's really being taught here, right? We're going, to, we're going to take a look at the, the idea uh, and the, the strategy and the tactics and the use, more, more specifically, the use of the technology of the day and then kind of overlay a modern list to that where everything based on principle and concept is still the same, but we'll take a look at, the, at what that list would and should look like today if we're focusing on real-world self-protection and not just keeping a museum piece alive, okay? And I know how harsh that sounds. I know as people start, you know, unsubscribing or, uh, you know, jumping ship and all that because it was heresy. Uh, but it is what it is, right? So anyway, 
Uh, of course, we're going to be doing a bunch of Ninpo Taiji too. Uh, and for those of you who you know, are new to me or whatever, I tend to not use the term Budo Taijutsu a whole lot because to me uh, there's a difference, right? Budo means martial ways, right? Or uh, warrior ways, however you want to look at that, right? Budo Taijutsu, right? So to me, if we're looking at the at the translation of things, right? Uh, Budo Taijutsu really does just focus on the martial art, right? So the uh, you know, it's the un, un, uh, unarmed self-defense things, right? But it could be armed as well. Uh, but ninpo taijutsu, right? Ninpo, uh, the word itself, right, means uh, uh, methods, ways, or uh, skills for enduring, okay, uh, for surviving, uh, you know, for making it through things, right? So where one is specific to fighting, to warriorship, to what we normally think of as martial arts and combatives, the other one points to anything that is related to overcoming challenges, right? Whether it's uh, handling conflict, but it doesn't have to be physical hand-to-hand -hand kind of things, right? How do we protect the heart? How do we protect the head? Uh, how do you protect yourself against the dog that's uh, trying to bite you? How do you protect yourself, uh, you know, if you're in a, a building that's collapsing? How do you, you know, so very different, right? So it's, it's really just an expansion of, uh, of uh, the whole concept. But at the same time, we have to remember, too, that, uh, you know, when we, when we look at ninja training, especially if folks are just reading books or uh, they're just taking things at surface value, right, or uh, conventional, they're just looking at it uh, based on how the words are written down. And sometimes not everything is written down, believe it or not, right? Uh, so uh, the ninja, right, we, we know about the uh, the ninja juhake, right, the 18 levels of ninja training that was uh, laid out for the Togakure school, right? So the general overlapping thing right here is the ninja no hajimon, eight gates or eight areas of uh, study for ninja too. Uh, but the, uh, the Togakure school has 18, right? But if you look at that list of 18, the eight, the Ninja Hachimon, is still there, right? It's in there, right? So the minimum is still there, but it's expanded. But see, that's kind of deceptive, right? Because that's 18 levels of ninja training, but the ninja actually had 36 areas of training, okay? Because according to Hatsumisate from way back, right? Uh, Nijutsu, anything in Nijutsu is an adaptation or a hanka or a modification to the standard warrior or sage, whatever, skills of the day, okay? So if we're just looking at the warrior side of things, right, uh, the warriors, right, there was a um, uh, budo juhake, 18 levels or 18 areas of warrior training, okay? And then, so the ninja had to know those, right? How do you, how do you defend against something Easily, effectively, you know, the, the sales pitch that we got for Nidusu, right? How do you do that without understanding what attacks you're going to be up against and being able to use them, right? Uh, you know, to, to Hatsumi Sitsu has always said to, to be able to, um, uh, to be able to do something, right, is only half of it. Right? It's only half of the equation. It's only until you can defend yourself against those same tactics and strategies, uh, can you be said to have mastered that thing? So, uh, anyway, so there's this, this idea here, right? But then we have, you know, the, the uh, ninja, no, ninja no jockey 
the 18 levels of ninja training, uh, which are variations, right, of the conventional set, right? But again, you have to ask, how can you vary something that you don't have or you don't understand? How can you adapt it or disguise it or conceal it or whatever if you can't do the base lesson? And that was the whole idea back in 1997, 1998, something like that, at the Taikai in Princeton, uh, New Jersey, and when Hatsumi uh, Sensei first uh, discussed this whole idea of, you know, we're not going to do Nijutsu for a while, right? We're, we're not going to do uh, this thing because people are hurting themselves. He gave all kinds of reasons. But the big reason was that um, people needed uh, the, more of the foundational stuff. They needed more of the, the conventional warrior skills before they could ever uh, hope to approach the idea of Nijutsu, right? Now, coincidentally, at the same time, right, you've got uh, Shoto Tanamura with the Genbukan. You have uh, Manaka Shihan, who had just left the Bujinkan, uh, not for the wrong reasons, right? It was just the Japanese culture and the way kind of things work, and you either agree and do whatever the Soke says, then if you have uh, opinions, uh, you know, or you want to do something other than that, because he was retiring from the Japanese Air and Land Forces. Uh, so, you know, you have a choice. You either throw away your dreams and desires and all that kind of stuff and do whatever your teacher says, or you have to walk away, right? And so that's what happened. So uh, I was going to talk really well, spoke really well of Manaka uh, uh, Shihan at the Taikai and reminded everyone that uh, everyone needed what he was teaching, right? And so, but the point was is that for a while we we're going to be doing Budo Taijutsu because people needed that. They needed to get that foundation before, before they could ever approach needed to. Of course, just as the kids game, well, the old kids game, telephone uh, always worked, right? People, people heard what they heard, told somebody else, told somebody else, and I promise you, within a day or two, suddenly it became, we don't do needed to, we only practice Budo Taijutsu, right? Which is not what the man said. But anyway... Uh, so, uh, we're going to be working with those things, right? And then, uh, a little bit of weapon, uh, things. We're going to be focusing on Tantajutsu, uh, knife fighting, right? Uh, knife skills. Uh, and again, this is going to tie into the, to the modern list of the Ninja no Hachimon. Uh, Jutsu, right? Handgun defense, uh, which again, ties in. Uh, Heiho, which is, uh, tactics and strategy, military, uh, strategy is really what that means. And then uh, we're going to take a look at defending against multiple attackers and Rondori, uh, catching the chaos, uh, what most people might call it sparring, uh, but we're going to take a look at it uh, from the perspective, uh, it's the way I teach it, uh, where uh, everything's divided into five levels. <clears throat> and uh, so we don't just jump in like everybody likes to do and look like two six-year-olds in a sandbox slap fighting each other. Uh, we're going to uh, break it down and walk through these five levels of uh, sparring uh, based on the way we take people through the actual kata training and technique training and all that so that, uh, you know, the first level is just being able to use your kamai effectively to avoid, right? There is no uh, counter-striking, there is no uh, there is no counter-attacking and doing all kinds of cool stuff. It's can you get away from or avoid effectively improper kamai to stall his next move, right? Full speed punches, grabs, and kicks of whatever kind. Okay? And again, we're preparing for 
uh, self-defense here in the 21st century. So anyway, uh, that's that's the topics for uh, for camp. Hopefully you can make it. If you can't make it and you're on Facebook, you can go to the Facebook event page, and uh, there's actually a link on there uh, to pre-order the uh, the videos if you want to get those instead. So even if you can't make it to camp, um, you can still get the lessons. And uh, there's going to be at least five hours of video. I don't I don't edit things down to where you're only getting two hours or whatever. I I let the camera roll a lot. Um, so you can actually see uh, not only what I'm teaching, but also what students are doing. And I, I do that as well because the participants get, uh, anybody who comes in for camp actually gets the videos as well as a part of it. So they get a chance to see uh, what they're really doing, right? They get to identify mistakes and things like that. For everybody else, you get to see positive examples uh, of someone doing it correctly. You get to see negative examples and make sure you're not doing those things. And so anyway, uh, th there's a lot, right? We just, we, we edit it down with the most minimal uh, editing and then divide things up and get them up onto a download page so that you can access them. So if you're not on Facebook and you want it, uh, well, a lot of more because of the Puden podcast, but uh, you just, uh, when, when you get that email address, most of the fact, Mr. White gave it, it's done a lead-in, but uh, it'll be on the out, uh, out, set, whatever the hell it's called. Anyway, uh, you'll be able to get it at the end as well. Uh, you can shoot me an email, and I'll send the, uh, the link to you. Now, you just have to understand, we haven't done camp yet, so you're pre-ordering. The pre-order discount will run out uh, next Thursday, right? Uh, so once camp starts, uh, there is nothing, and then later on, if I offer these things out again or whatever, it'll be, you know, a much higher rate. So, anyway, if you want to get them, you can do that. Uh, you just need to get us, give us a chance to get through camp and about a week or so uh, to edit things and get things cleaned up and then get them up onto a download page, and then you'll get a, a confirmation email. And, uh, yeah, and then you can get it, all right? So, anyway, that's that, all right? So, let me get back over here to my control page. Let's see if anybody else jumped in uh, with us. And, um, yeah, it looks like we have a bunch of other folks. So, anyway, um, where was I going with this? Uh, I don't know. Let me do this. Let me open things up and see if uh, anyone has any questions. Uh, Mr. White's usually the one that uh, comes up with some of these topics, throws them at me, and then we uh, we go from there. But, um, so, uh, open things up here. And, uh, yeah, so if you have any questions, uh, now be the time to ask. And uh, if not, then we'll jump into something else, and I'll see what I can come up with. All right? So I'll give it a minute, you know, probably 30 seconds or whatever to see if anything comes through. <clears throat> and then we can go from there. So anyway, uh, just, you know, uh, what am I uh, – here's something while I'm waiting for some questions to come in. Um, uh what are you doing with your training, right? I mean, what what is what is the focus, okay, uh, of your training? I, as a matter of fact, I, uh, in my uh, Friday morning coaching call with my inner circle guys, my uh, long distance guys, uh, I have two groups. One meets on Friday evenings, and one uh, meets on what is it? Tuesday evenings. One meets Friday mornings, uh, based on where they live and what's convenient for their schedule and all that. But uh, one of the things that we discussed this morning. Uh, we've kind of uh, chatted about this Fudomio character and success and, and uh, you know, getting on our own way and, and the different core components that we need. But one of those things is, um, you know, in being uh, focused and getting 
getting a greater return on your investment, whether it's time or money or whatever, okay? Uh, and that, that, that goes for, you know, whether you buy a training program or you go to a seminar uh, or whatever, right? And, and one of the questions that came up was, <clears throat> how do you make sure that you get a, a great return on your investment when you're going to a seminar? Right? Because most people, when they go, uh, by and large, they go, and, you know, they want to learn, but, you know, they're just, they're going through the motions. I mean, it, it's just a different seminar um, than other ones that they've been to. Maybe it's a different teacher, but they're, they're collecting te techniques. They're, they're learning new things, but the question is, what is your litmus test for knowing whether that was worth it? And I know some people can throw out the whole idea that, you know, if I learned one new technique or one new little twist, right, uh, that made it all worth it. Well, I hope so because at the cost of some of these seminars, um, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a valuable nugget, right? But, um, uh, you know, how, how, do you, how do you know, right, for you, right? How do you, how, do you, how do you make sure before you even show up at the seminar and before you even put on your, your gi and your tabi and step out onto the floor and listen to the first lesson, how do you know that or whether or not this will have been worth it for you? And as a suggestion, my answer is I have a list of topics and or questions that I want to be improving on and I am working on right now. So, you know, I already know what the main theme and the main topic of the seminar is before I go. So, I, you know, I'm going to write down questions related to that area. <clears throat> um, but there are some other things that I have that I'm working on. And it may not be uh, on the agenda. And that's okay. Right, but I jot these things down in a little notebook, and before I leave that seminar, I have answers for everything that I have in my notebook. Okay, that's how I know, right? Because I go with a very specific, very clear goal in mind. Right, and that goes for, that goes the same for when I pull out DVDs and and well, <laughs> here's how old I am. The old VHS uh, videotapes that uh, uh, I have from Hatsumi Sete teaching or other teachers. Right. And so, like, the first time I watch them, you know, I, I tend to watch anything in the first time uh, just very open, right? And I'm just looking to see what's there, what's the training all about, what's being offered and all that. But when I go back to, to watch them again, right, I'm going to have a notebook out, right? So things that jump out at me, right, uh, things I didn't know, things that uh, I think might be worth exploring, that was pretty neat, uh, you know, neat little combination or whatever. I'll jot these things down. But then I have to back up again and really consider what it is that, uh, what I'm doing in my own training, right? So if there's some tie-ins in that video, then I'm going to go to just those areas and watch those again with an eye on fixing and upgrading or taking whatever skills to the next level. Uh, based on, you know, what's, what's right there, okay? Uh, now, at this point, I mean, I've, been, I've watched my videos over and over and over again, and uh, I tend to not pull any out unless I'm, I don't know, double-checking something for a seminar that I'm going to be teaching, or I'm actually specifically working on something, and I know, okay, that's in that video. So I already know what I'm looking for, right? So I'll, I'll go to those areas, and then... Uh, you know, that'll, that'll be my, my little 
uh, that'll be the notes, right? And then I'm going to work on that for the next couple of days or classes or weeks or whatever. Okay, but that's that's how I make sure that I'm getting a good return on my time, uh, effort, money, or whatever, and that I'm not just showing up, going through the experience, and then going home. Okay. Yes, we all learn. Yes, we all you know have a good time or whatever. But um, uh, I, I want to make sure I'm getting as much out of that as possible. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's that's my thing, right? Uh, what's yours? Okay? And again, you don't have to answer unless you want to. But uh, what's yours? How how do you know that each seminar was a success? Other than I had a great time, hung out with my friends. Uh, learn some more types to do. Teacher fixed a couple of things. Okay, but where are you going? Where are you going with your training? Right? What do you have any? Do you have a clear cut goal as to I don't know. Let's pick something like rolling. Right? What do you want to be able to do with your rolling this time next month? Right? What do you want to be able to do with your come on? What do you want to be able to do with your striking? Right? Um, and if, if we're focusing on this from a self-defense perspective, what do you need to be able to do with these things? Right? If you're facing, what, pick a type of attacker, right? If you're facing, picking, uh, if you're facing somebody that's just angry, they're the typical Joe, they're not trained in anything or whatever, but, you, you, you know, you still have to worry about getting hit, uh, but you're pretty sure they're going to flail a lot or whatever. You know, we're talking about uh, a fundamentally skilled or just instinctively skilled uh, assailant, right? What do you need to be able to know, or what do you need to be able to do? Okay, and th this kind of person is going to account for, uh, the, or they typically account for, 95 to 98 percent of the, the attacks that go on in the world, right? They're not they're not assassins. They're not even warriors, right? They're not trained fighters. They just uh, they have an opportunity and intention, right? So if they're trying to cut you or stab you, they're just totally pissed, right? And they just they grab something and they're swinging it at you or trying to poke you with it or whatever, right? Um, still very, very dangerous, but you don't need anything outside of basics, right? So that really is the place to start. So, uh, but what kind of things, right? What kind of attacks are the most prevalent where you live, right? And that might be different for my guys in India than it is for, uh, you know, my currently right now, the police officers in uh, Australia, or the UK, or, you know, whatever, right? So um, what is it, right? What is it for you, okay? What do you want to be able to do? When you visualize the you in the future with the skill set that you've always wanted to have, what does that look like? And then where are you along that timeline, and what are you doing to move from where you are now to move the bar to where you want to be? And that, you know, um, uh I just heard a really great analogy about this the other day, and I was reading a book, and it, it's, you know, for a lot, of, a lot of you know that I'm a consultant, and I do workplace violence consulting and all that. Uh, so, you know, I, I have mentors in different areas because I would never be smug enough uh, to believe that I don't have anything else left to learn just because I'm, you know, uh, I know some people throw the word around Xi'an or whatever, right? Uh, never, ever. Um, and that's in any area of my life. So I was listening to uh, this one coach that I had, and uh, he said uh, he really hates the term raising the bar, okay, because that's, 
that's like um, uh, that's kind of a, a reference to uh, pole vaulting, okay? Pole vaulting, right? Uh, and, how, and he was drawing a, a comparison between how pole vaulting, uh, no matter how much better you are, how much higher you jump than the other guys, right? Let's say the bar is set at six feet, okay? And everybody cleared the bar, right? But everybody, you know, some people just barely cleared the bar. Somebody cleared the bar by an extra four inches, and you cleared the bar by eight inches, right? The way the scoring and ranking works in pole vaulting, it was still only a six-foot jump, okay? Just vague, right? It's just like getting a, getting a uh, black belt, right? Um, you got promoted to Shodan or Sandan or whatever, right? And so did other people. Yeah, but see, everybody's skill set is different, right? You were given this rank for a reason, and the, the standards are different in different places and all that. But you're still all Shodan, right? That doesn't say anything to anyone about your specific skill set. So be careful using rank as a um, as a sign of, of proficiency or a sign of success or, or anything like that, right? It's a sign of being around for a certain amount of time and passing a certain set of criteria, but it is what it is, right? Whereas uh, in the long jump, right, in the long jump, you get counted for every inch, every centimeter, every, you know, every part of, a, of an inch or whatever. Uh, so whatever you jump, where your heels landed, that's it. I mean, that's, that's what you get counted on, right? So it's very specific to you and very specific to that jump that you made today, right? Everything counts. Very different from pole vaulting. So, you know, um, and in pole vaulting also, somebody else raises the bar, right? So, you know, if, if uh, you know, you jump that six-foot thing, they're going to move it to six-six. But if you clear the six-foot bar by six-eight, you, you can already do that. Right, but somebody else is raising the bar because, well, it's a challenge to most of the people, uh, but not for you. So what we can find is that superstars, rock stars, or you know the, the people that are that are really exerting themselves, we have to be careful that we don't allow the system or the process to dumb us down and to cause us to be lazy. Because, you know, my teacher will tell me what I what I need to do and, and, you know, what the next step is and all that. And while that may be true, um, that doesn't mean that you can't go above and beyond that, right? So, uh, you know, if we were going to use the pole vaulting analogy, right, um, don't let somebody else raise the bar. You raise the bar, okay? So what that would mean is that, you know, if the bar was set at six feet and everybody cleared it, right, but you cleared it by, you, you did six, eight, um, you know, when it's your turn again and they have it at 6'6", six, six, you're going to walk up there and go, uh, yeah, no, we're going to put that at 7. Okay? Do you know you can do 7? Yeah, no, because we did 6'8". But 7 is really going to make you work and really going to make you try. Because anybody can look like a superstar by, you know, clearing things they already know they can do. Right? The challenge for our head, our heart, and everything, is whether we're willing to fail and whether we're willing to fail often enough to get really damn good with that thing we want to be doing, right? Uh, 
unfortunately, you know, low self-esteem and ego and those kind of things kick in. And, you know, we now have a certain rank, certain title, or we've just talked up a good show. And uh, now we're afraid that everybody's going to look at us, you know, from the perspective of you can't really do that, okay? Uh, and we see it all the time. You know, if you're, if you're honest and you go to these uh, seminars or you go to Japan or whatever, you can see it. You can see people that, you know, just won't do a lot because they'd have to really show what it is that they can do. Um, when I go to Japan, the first thing I tell people, the first class before we step out onto the floor, don't ask me anything, okay? And it's not that I'm trying to be mean. I'm just letting them know, look, I'm here in student mode, okay? So if I see something that you're doing, you're really struggling with it, and I, I think I understand it, I'll lean over and just toss something out to you, right? But I'm not breaking away from my training to come over and put your hands in the right place or whatever. I'm not the teacher for this class. I'm in student mode. So as your senpai, as your senior in this class, right, I might toss something out over as a, as a suggestion and then go right back to what I was doing, okay? If I'm not talking to you, I'm still trying to figure it out, okay? Don't come talk to me, right? And besides that, it's not what the Kohai is supposed to do, right? The Kohai looks at senpai, junior looks at seniors, all that kind of stuff, and, and you know, mimics and things like that. So, and, uh, you know, I'm not embarrassed when the teacher of the class looks at me and says, no, 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 or yells from across the room. <laughs> Jeff, no, I'll be right there, okay? Don't, just, I'll, I'll be right there, okay? So uh, the thinking feeling I get is, oh, crap, I really thought I had that, right? It's not, oof, oof, what's everybody going to think because, like, I'm a tenth on, you know, fire transmission level. I know everybody says thirteenth on, but anyway, um, uh, you know, I'm this level, and, 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 you know, what's everybody else in the room thinking? Eh, no, right? No, right? So... Is there a bad feeling? Yeah, but it's one of those things where, man, I really thought I had that. Crap, you know. But there's also part of me that's welcoming him to come over and show me how to fix it because that's where progress is, right? Progress is always in our mistakes, not in our successes, okay? A success is a sign that you've made it to that point, but we can't rest there, right? That's a plateau, right? And nature shows us always that plateaus eventually erode, okay? So we don't rest in a plateau. We keep growing, right? We climb to the next level or whatever, and climbing always requires struggle, okay? It is what it is, right? And it, it, after all, isn't that what we're training for? To overcome struggle, to overcome conflict, to overcome adversity, to overcome challenges. I mean, that's what the NID of to stands for anyway, right? So uh, anyway, See, Eric's not here to throw in something else and, and make a joke or whatever. So, uh, anyway, uh, what can we, uh, I'll throw a joke out, right? Uh, two Koga ninja walk into a, uh, walk into a building. You'd have thought, as their ninja, that at least one of them would have seen it. How's that? There's a cheesy joke. Uh, Mr. White's not here, so, uh, anyway, I'll throw that out. There's no, there's no extra chuckling on the, on the line. I'm pretty sure that I have the lines open. So, uh, anyway, so, so there's that. So, uh, any questions? Let me see if anybody submitted anything. So either everybody's listening in or I'm just doing one bang up job here. 
uh, getting this across. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, so what happens when I'm left to my own devices. All right. Uh, here's a pop quiz. Right? I've, I've, just, I've been writing a bunch of articles uh, that are going out. They're actually going to start showing up in uh, local and national newspapers and uh, things like that. Uh, one was just accepted here for one that's uh, fairly close to where I live. Uh, and again, it's on the it's on the subject of workplace violence, but what it, what I, I wrote the the uh, piece on was in uh, being able to reverse engineer uh, what appear to be unrelated uh, events to your own personal situation. Okay, and in this context, you know I'm a workplace violence consultant, so in this context, it was the question is what can the Las Vegas shooter teach business owners and senior executives about the flaws in their workplace violence training programs, in parentheses, if they even have one, okay? because 70% of businesses in the U.S., uh, and it's even bigger in other areas of the world, uh, don't have anything, right? So that's not going to help. But anyway, what, what can the Las Vegas shooter teach uh, business owners and C-level executives. C-levels being CEOs, CFOs, uh, uh, COOs, whatever, right? They're the, they're the uh, big dudes, right? So what can it teach them, right? Well, the first thing that gets people's attention is the fact that, you know, most people wouldn't consider the Vegas shooting a workplace violence incident. And while there were, you know, a decent number of people that were working at the venue and we could claim that it is, I'm not claiming that it is, right? What I'm asking is, what can that incident teach, right? And you can do the same thing, right? Uh, you know, I, I think the last, was it maybe the last episode, I talked about uh, setting up Google alerts on certain things, right? So uh, you can look at some of these uh, news stories about actual attacks and then reverse engineer that and put that to use in your own world, right? So who cares that it was a stabbing in front of a convenience store in Philadelphia, right? Could have just as easily been you having somebody coming at you with a knife trying to stab you at a gas station, in the parking lot, uh, at your job, uh, coming out of your house, right? Uh, you know, they knocked on the door, tried to sell you something scam-wise or whatever. They just wanted to get in, and, you know, they've got a knife and they're coming at you, right? How just we can reverse engineer these things, but what we're really interested in is the uh, is the the overall attack. Okay, so uh, as a matter of fact, let me bring this thing up because uh, there were uh, there were like six key points that I made, and um, they were uh, based on uh, one the lessons, right? Well, three of the lessons. Anyway, three of the lessons that uh, I think the Las Vegas shooter and the whole situation can teach anybody, okay? anybody. So we're just going to expand this outside of workplace violence and outside of everything, right? Uh, uh, can teach anybody about how a violent attack occurs and what matters and what doesn't matter and what should be integrated into, uh, into your training, okay? Again, it's kind of warm up to, to fall camp, right? Uh, and then uh, what I did was I took a look at, you know, what could, in this case, what should businesses do to protect themselves, 
and uh, they're not the the normal things. Okay, so uh, so let, let's just take a look at uh, like I said the three lessons that I tossed out there for uh, for uh, what what the Vegas shooter right can teach you about what you better be doing uh, in your training. Okay. Now, remember, this was not a face-to-face, fisticuffs, or knifing kind of thing. It was a distance attack. But if you're in a group of people and somebody pulls a gun, pulls a knife, starts pushing and shoving and slamming, right, this will happen to some degree. And that is that human beings stampede when we panic, okay? Just like every other animal, we stampede, okay? And lacking proper training and a reliable response plan that you've gone over and over and over again so that you know it without having to dig for it, right? Human beings stampede when, when we panic, right? And they will cause more injury to themselves and others simply in their attempt to get to safety, okay? So that's only part of the lesson, though, okay? The other part of the lesson, that, that's not what the Vegas uh, guy's uh, teaching you. What, what, the, what the Vegas shooter and all these attacks teach is that uh, assailants plan around this response, okay? And it allows them to do even more harm during their attack, right? If you think about that situation, if you've done any reading on it or whatever, right, the first couple of rounds went off, may or may have hit uh, people because he wasn't a trained sniper, and he's shooting from the 37th floor, right, um, down, right? So... Either way, right? So one or two people drop. People start panicking, right? The first thing they do is they stampede for the primary exit, which is typically the one they came in on, okay? Because the way security is set up, everybody comes through uh, very uh, uh, controlled areas, okay? So they stampede, right? What ends up happening is everybody – more people are trying to get out at the same time than the number of people that came in. If you've ever been to a concert, right, you know that when it's over and everybody's trying to get out, right, um, it's just it's just wall-to-wall people. It's just it's not the same. While it could be busy coming in, there there are bursts here or there. It's just not a swarm like a, a you know trail of fire ants or whatever. It doesn't look like that, right? On the way out, completely different story. But now we've got people panicking. Right? We have people pushing and shoving. We have people whose brains are racing trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And so they're tripping over themselves, they're tripping over their children or their significant others or whatever, right? People are getting knocked down or they're tripping and falling, they're getting trampled, these kind of things, right? So, uh, you know, what does your training hold for that kind of thing, right? Um, how will you cover yourself? How will you uh, move in a way? Uh, that you can get back up quickly or that you can move off the line? Or how will you choose, uh, where will you choose to be uh, relative to the rest of the swarm if you choose to go in the same direction? I always uh, opt for a different direction, but, hey, that's me, right? But you've got all these people trying to move to the same exit point, and it creates a bottleneck, and now all the shooter has to do is fire into this mass, okay? They're not targeting any given person. Now they can just shoot into the mass, right? Because the thicker that mass gets, the easier it is to hit people, okay? So that's the first lesson, right? The second one, and we hear this all the time, right? 
who would have thought that somebody would try to blow up a concert, whether it was in Manchester or not? Who would have ever thought, you know, that somebody would attack people who were just peaceful and watching a concert? Well, now they can't say that. But, you know, it's, it's just always who would think, right? Uh, the, the reality is that at least from our perspective as the potential targets, right, I'm assuming that no one that listens to my radio show or that's in my programs or whatever uh, is, is a, a professional criminal and therefore they go out and target people, right? So from our perspective, violence is random by its very nature, right? And what that means is that you never know when or where it's going to happen or the form it's going to take. You don't know how many attackers, weapons, no weapons, type, uh, time of day, you don't know, okay? But the attacker knows. Okay? What appears to be random to us, and that's what we have to prepare for. That's why we have to be ready all the time, right? Uh, to the attacker, you know, they've given this some thought, and they've thought out how they're going to do this and why, right? to give them the greatest chance of success before they have to pop themselves or let the cops shoot them or they surrender or whatever it is, okay? So, uh, you know, it, both things are going on at the same time, but for us, we have to recognize that violence, violence is random by nature. We don't know what's going to happen or what it's going to look like or whatever, which should be the thing that makes us, makes us focus more on our training and gives us this imperative intent to get it done now to get those skills honed and to the best degree possible now because we don't know if when this the this show is over, right? You get up and you go back into your life or whatever and bang, there it is, right? Okay. Uh, and, you know, what, what I, in, the, in, the, in the context of the article, I was talking to business people, but, you know, you can relate this to yourself as well, okay? Uh, the analogy I made was, was with fire safety, Okay. Uh, and the, the fact that you do as much as possible to prevent fires from occurring beforehand, right? You do as much as possible. From the very time that the building is being designed and built, right, there are code standards, standards for wiring, for connections, for junctions, for breaker boxes, and, and all these kind of things, right? Uh, the materials that things are made of. Uh, in a business, right, hazardous materials, flammable materials and all that are secured in areas away from machinery or other things where there might be excessive heat, sparks, flames, or whatever, because all that lessens the, the chances of there being a fire. It's, it's safety protocol. But you still make sure that there are sprinkler systems. You still make sure that there are fire extinguishers, right? You still make sure that there are... Uh, fire escape plans and drills so that everybody knows what to do just in case one happens, okay? But here's the thing, right? You know, there's lots of people, obviously, that believe that this is never going to happen to them, and I, I can't help them, right? But uh, even if the likelihood of an event is low, and it is, in our modern society where we live, right, unless you live in an inner city where, you know, the thugs are just attacking people left and right, um, the likelihood of you actually being physically assaulted is pretty low. It's kind of like in the wintertime where I live, uh, you know, I, we didn't get our uh, a back deck put in that we wanted to get uh, done uh, in, our, in our backyard. And so the walk is, is uneven and things like that. So uh, ice is definitely going to form there in the wintertime like it always does. 
and snow and things like that. So, uh, you know, the likelihood of me slipping and falling, right, even with brake falls and all that or dropping to a knee or something like that, even with good balance and all that, it's probably three to five, okay, on a scale of one to ten, probably eh, I'm going I'm to go really conservative and go with a five, right, just to, because we've had some ice storms that you could stand still and slide, right. Um, but because of the brake falls and because, uh, you know, I, I know how to drop and all that kind of stuff, what, what's, the, what's the extent of the consequences of me slipping and falling? It's pretty low. I'm, I, I might skin a knee, might get an abrasion or whatever on the way down, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fall on spikes or something like that. I'm not, I'm not uh, probably not going to split my skull and, and go to the hospital or whatever. So uh, see the risk to consequence uh, or the likelihood of consequence is is different. It's not. It wasn't worth me rushing to put a completely different system in so that I lessen the likelihood of slipping. Right? Uh, maybe next year. Right? But uh, let's go back to this fire safety. Right? Uh, what's the likelihood of a fire starting in your house? You know, we've got the we've got the machinery in different places. You know, the washer, dryer, whatever. We make sure the lint thing is cleaned out. Uh, we've got you know the stove over in a completely different area. That's away from you know it's not parked next to the uh, the, the, the furniture. Or at least we hope not anyway, right? Or things that are uh, extremely combustible. We don't uh, uh, you know store papers and oils and things like that above the burners because uh, heat rises. That would be really stupid, right? Uh, we make sure that, you know, the receptacles are, are good and nothing is smoking and uh, we're not walking across uh, extension cords and wearing wires down and things like that. So, you know, the chances of a fire breaking out in your vicinity is pretty low, right? But what are the consequences if one does? Okay. You got repairs, you have uh, cleanup, you have, you know, maybe even the loss of a home, right? So way more, right, which is why we carry fire insurance, which is why, and, you know, if you're not an owner, you carry renter's insurance, uh, things like that, right? Because uh, even if the likelihood of the event is low, the degree of the consequence from an occurrence will be much more costly, okay? Uh, a lot of people, you know, they balk at the cost of martial arts and self-defense training because, well, you know, that's a lot, Right? Yeah, but what's the cost if you don't get this and you get attacked, right? And it doesn't go well, right? What's, what's the extent? So it's going to be way more. It's going to be way more costly, right? So I've always seen the cost of my training uh, to be like uh, insurance premiums, except this pays out before I get there, right? Um, so. Uh, anyway, and I, I make the point that the world, you know, it's become a very different place from the one that you and I grew up in. And um, while some people do take steps, right, to institute uh, policies, or in this case for us, right, get training and, and buy programs and go to seminars and things like that, right, um, I, uh, you know, I, where's their focus, right? Um, far too many people, right? Even those who are training, right, in spite of all evidence to the contrary, are still not training for real situations, for real modern-day situations, right? Um, they want to do the, you know, the stylized, ritualized martial arts, or they don't even get involved at all. In either case, you know, we're hoping for the best, right? 
because if we're really focused on what could happen today, then we're going to be looking at those things, right? And we're going to be using that as our litmus test as to whether or not what I'm learning is actually going to serve me today in this world, in this, you know, the country that I live in and things like that based on the way attackers attack, okay? So anyway, that was that was the, the three lessons. And um, just quickly, uh, you know, uh, the answer to what can, uh, in this case, businesses do to protect themselves, but it, it's still, I'm going to convert this so that it's, it's for everybody as well. Uh, what I gave were three suggestions, which actually tend to fly in the face of conventional thought, which is what I do well. I, I'm just a contrarian, right? Um, and, and not for no particular reason. It's just it wakes people up out of their, I don't know, what, what uh, my Buddhist teacher used to call um, dull sleepwalk living, Okay. So uh, anyway, the, the first one was uh, to avoid relying solely on passive protection, okay? And um, because attackers don't care about your zero tolerance, right? And they don't care about your punitive action statements, right? Uh, and for, for a lot of folks, and I, I know I'm singing to the choir when I, when I mention this, a lot of folks rely on the police or they rely on, you know, the law, right? It's, they, they wouldn't dare attack me. I mean, they're, they'll get in trouble. They don't care about that stuff. And when it comes to things like uh, banned weapons list on site or banned weapons on site list that companies have, um, the more publicized they are, man, attackers count on stuff like that, right? Uh, I remember one time I, I had an accident. This was a bunch of years ago, maybe 2005, something like that, right? And um, I was out in the middle of nowhere, I mean, literally just, you know, on some back road. And uh, the state police uh, trooper had shown up, and we got to talking about what I do for a living. And he kind of he kind of taps me, and you know, just got a little bump on the arm, you know, nudge, buddy, kind of thing. And he goes, <laughs> "Between you and me, couldn't fight my way out of uh, out of a brown paper bag." Now, if he's a ninja, you know, or if he's thinking that way, he might have been telling me that to you know, so that uh, to build up confidence. But he was he was by himself. Uh, and this is an area where. Uh, he told me that they could go for hours on patrol with no radio or cell phone contact, right? So, and then I talked about, you know, I was, I was going to, uh, to uh, I was actually on my way to teach a seminar, believe it or not, right? And I uh, talked about the, the combat handgun hand training and stuff like that. And he said, huff, there's another thing. I, I you know, I have to qualify uh, once a year or something with this thing. And, but if I had to do it under pressure, I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, right? And I, you know, I just smiled and kind of nodded like I understood. I mean, we just made a joke out of it and everything. But it, meanwhile, I'm thinking, you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're telling someone who just told you what they do for a living, and they're really good at it. And you're going to admit that you would probably lose if this person jumped you. Okay? So don't go doing those things, right? Don't let other people know to the extent that you're trained or whatever. Of course, you have your training group and, and you know, your, your uh, training friends and all that, but um, nobody should ever know everything. And I know how, how paranoid that sounds, but it, it's not, okay? Uh, you know, you can puff out your chest and say, I'm not putting up with anything like that, you know, that zero tolerance kind of thing. That, 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 that's the business terminology. But that's what we're saying, right? Um, but, you know, you're going to have those people that go, Really? Well, that's all right. You can have zero tolerance. That just means that you can't tolerate 
that which I will be throwing at you. Because you are, uh, you've been lulled into passiveness or into a false sense of security because you told everyone that they can't do this here, everybody's just, now they're all sheep, right? So when I walk in there, this is going to work so well in my, in my favor, right? And, uh, you know, we don't want to be relying on, on uh, not just the zero tolerance, but also punitive action statements, right? In the case of those of us who are not talking in the business context, right, uh, that's like saying, you know, he, he can't do that or you can't do that to me. You'll get in trouble. You'll go to jail. When these people act out, they don't care. And besides that, if he does his job right and you're done, there is nobody to report him that he goes to jail. Okay. Um, the other one was having your plan, policy, and response training designed by an expert in violence mitigation and tailored to your specific business. Don't use borrowed or modified templates. So in this case, right, what we're looking at is, uh, you know, have, have somebody that has been there and done that, right? So, and there are people within the Bujutan, there are people within Ninjutsu that have real-world, uh, you know, fight experience, real-world self-defense experience, real-world field combat experience, right? And um, so when they're teaching, right, they may be teaching Sanchi no Kata. They may be teaching Ichimonji no Kata or whatever, right? But once you get the basic model down, then they pull you aside and say, okay, so now, when he's throwing a hook punch or an uppercut, right, you're not going to be able to catch the arm the same way from this angle, so you're going to have to either change the counter-strike, omit the counter-strike, and just move so he misses, or you're going to have to change your angle so that you meet it. Otherwise, that hook or that uppercut will break through the, the, the structure of your, uh, of your, uh, your, your counter-strike, your uh, covering arm, right? And how do we know that? Well, first of all, the attack is different from the one the model is based on. Okay? Remember that the technology was designed to handle a specific problem. Hatsumi Sensei has always said this, right? Yes, these are the techniques, but you must practice to defend against attacks from that are prevalent where you live. How do attackers attack where you live? Work out that problem based on the principles and concepts. Okay? Perhaps it falls on deaf ears. Anyway, uh, the idea of not, not using borrowed and modified templates is, uh, you know, don't just borrow somebody else's thing and just accept that as gospel. Right? Make sure that, you know, it's, you're, you're, it's, it's meeting at least your experience or knowledge test. And then, uh, you know, if, if there's an issue with it, you know, really consider what kind of experience or background that particular teacher has. Uh, and again, I, I hate saying Hatsumi Sensei says, and I've said it a bunch of times during this, uh, this show or this episode, but, uh, he has said that, um, uh, not only that, you know, you, uh, you need to get with people regardless of their rank who have real-world experience. So, you know, these people may not be able to tell you how to do X, Y, Z, kata, or things like that, but they will tell you how you better be training, right, because of that experience, okay? But uh, he and other teachers have also said that if you're really focused on real-world self-defense, you should never be more than one step away from a teacher that has real-world experience. So it's always best if your teacher has it, but if he or she doesn't have it, then theirs should. 
And that's it. That's as far back as you go because the farther away from that you go, and I've, I've heard other people do little classes and say that, well, that's not really true. I mean, you know, uh, uh, I can understand this. And, you know, you can theorize until, you know, your butthole uh, bleeds. <laughs> that's not for a comedy or a, a joke today. Anyway, you, you can argue this all you want, but um, what we have found, and this was in the military and in, in other areas, uh, the farther away you get down the timeline, like that telephone game, right, the farther away you get, from the people who have the actual direct experience with surviving that situation, whether it's mountain climbers or uh, combat troops or, you know, police officers or whatever, right? The farther away you get from that, right, two, three, four, five, you know, anything more than two people, right, uh, theory starts overriding tactical reality. And you know, it just gets watered down. It just gets changed. Okay, so we have to be careful, right? Uh, so anyway, and then the the, um, uh, the other one was avoid randomly uh, chosen awareness and standalone training programs. Okay, uh, the point I made for these folks was an awareness and prevention class does nothing to make your workplace safer tomorrow morning. These things should be part of a systemic whole, not used like band-aids or feel-good activities, which only increase the illusion of safety. And here's, here's how it relates to us, right? If you don't have a structure and a, and a, uh, a, a structure, not necessarily a curricula, but if you don't have a, kind of a plan laid out, whether it's yours or your teachers or whatever, if you don't have one that's laid out and you're just jumping around from program to program or YouTube video to YouTube video to uh, seminar to seminar or whatever, right, while given enough time, you can probably figure a lot of this stuff out, right, you're going to be spending a lot of time, right? And time also equals money in this case because that's also – you know, if you, especially when it comes to seminars and programs and all that, you're going to be doing more and more and more, okay? Uh, do I have standalone programs? Of course. I have a power striking program uh, to teach people the principles of getting more power out of less energy and striking and all that. But it's to go hand in hand with the fact that they already train. And so now we're going to isolate the striking because they want to get better at having knockdown, uh, powerful, uh, impactful strikes, Right. So, uh, but anybody that just wants to use that to jump into the training from the very beginning, it's going to look very odd because we're, we're, the, the, the program actually works off the same one or two punches through 10 modules. Okay. Uh, are they modified and adjusted and all that? Yes, of course. Right. But the first thing we do is break a, a, just a basic strike down into 10 different, uh, aspects. Right. Everything from arm movement and alignment to the way the legs move, to timing, to just all kinds of things, right, uh, before we move into practical application and, and things like that, right? So uh, while it is a standalone program, it's not designed to be delivered uh, or designed to be used by people who are just looking for, you know, oh, good, I, I've always wanted to learn how to punch somebody. Let me, let me get this one. No, because if I were going to do a program like that, it would go into a whole – you know, a whole bunch of different types of strikes. Uh, it would basically pull the strikes out of the standard curriculum that I have. But why would I do that when somebody, if they want to learn that thing, they should be getting into the regular program because that shows form, it shows dynamics, it shows practical application of a wide variety of 
Thanks, right? So, but be careful with those kind of things, and be careful when, you know, your company or other people uh, want you to go to, uh, you know, we're going to go to this uh, workplace violence prevention and awareness uh, uh, half-day or full-day uh, class that's being held on Thursday uh, because they really are just awareness and ideas for prevention. But what about the mitigation? What if, what if it really does happen, right? How am I any safer tomorrow being a graduate of Thursday's class at 3 o'clock than I was before I walked in? I have a little bit more knowledge about the problem, but that doesn't make me safer. It makes me more aware, but not more safe. Okay? So, anyway, right? So, uh, the, the, whole idea, the whole idea was that they, things like this, again, shouldn't be Band-Aid things or feel-good activities or whatever, which increase the illusion of safety. Okay? It's the same thing. We don't just randomly choose seminars or whatever. Now, in the beginning, you may go to something because you're getting a feel for it, but we're going to progress faster and we're going to develop our skills to a greater degree when we have targets and established goals, when we have clarity, right? Seishin uh, Teki, right? Spiritual refinement, personal clarity, that kind of thing. It's the first, uh, the first uh, level of training or the first area of training in equity school out of the whole 18. Seishin Teki is first, okay? So anyway, uh, you know, the, the whole idea here is, is – uh, that's the point that I make all the time, right? Uh, you know, we, we hear these news stories all the time, and that's what I pointed out in this, in this particular piece that I wrote, that, uh, you know, the incident in Las Vegas was a horrible tragedy, as are others that occur every day, right? But merely talking about them, kind of shaking our head and all that, right, uh, just, you know, for a minute or a couple of days, we chat with our friends, hey, did you hear about this guy that shot up his workplace in Maryland and killed three people? And, oh, man, I just heard that, you know, he actually shot up a prior workplace in Delaware, then drove to the other place in Maryland and did the same thing there, right? So, oh, great. So we're going to have this little conversation, then we're going to go about our, back about our lives and completely forget the fact that we're at work in a situation and we don't give any thought to people who might have been recently fired because they were jack wagons or, you know, he was hot when he left or he had a, had a temper and he got fired because he didn't associate with people. So where is this guy now, right? What's he doing? Who's he blaming for the condition in his life? What's the likelihood that he'll come back? I don't know, right? But we don't even give it a thought, right? So uh, if doing it this way, right, um, but it's just talking about it, right? It doesn't decrease the likelihood of an attack within, in this case, business, but within your within your sphere of influence, okay? So just look at the whole businesses. I'm just going to finish this off by converting it, right? Um, we all have a choice, right? We can either be realistic and recognize that in today's world, I mean, <laughs> there seems to be more and more reasons that people are finding, and we see it all the time. Eric and I talk about this every show, Right? They're finding more and more reasons to lash out against their fellow human beings, and we can, we can either recognize that and take action on that knowledge and make sure that our training is focused on these specific types of things, right, or we can continue to ignore the reality, continue to risk having to deal with the damage, right, to ourselves, maybe to personal property, <laughs> to our own reputation, liability, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, our ability to continue taking care of our families afterwards, right? Um, uh, because we decided, you know, I'm doing martial arts. I really like martial arts for self-defense. But I'm not really kind of fact-checking or I'm not uh, establishing, 
a litmus test or ground rules or whatever that I must get these things from this instructor, right? I may have walked in wanting to learn things, but then I abdicate everything to them and let them just teach me whatever they want. And I don't really – I kind of suspend disbelief and stop looking at how this would relate to – a guy on the street throwing a sucker punch or, you know, an uppercut or, you know, it's whatever, right? There are these different things. We just kind of assume that uh, we'll get there, right? But we're kind of learning things in, in a very hodgepodge way, right? So anyway, um, I know I just rambled on with that a little bit, and we are at that time. So I'm going to ask one more time, any questions or comments, uh, any uh, anything that you want, uh, want me to cover or, or address before – I, uh, I wrap this up. And we'll have to make fun of Mr. Uh, Mr. White next time when, uh, when he's on. So let's see. Uh, let me get back over here and refresh my little thing here. So uh, again, uh, now's the time to, uh, to toss out any questions or answers, or questions or comments, uh, before I wrap up today's, uh, today's show. So, and knowing that there's like an 18 second gap between when I speak and when those of you on the webcast, which is what our web uh, web class, yeah. So uh, when you actually hear it coming out of your device, then I have to give you some time, type things back in. It actually gets back to me much faster. Uh, and I don't know why it works this way. It's just the way the technology works. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of time here as I ramble on, uh, reminding you that, again, our fall camp starts next week. If you're not able to make it in for camp, uh, there is a link on the Facebook event page uh, where you can pre-order the, uh, the uh, camp videos if you want to get those. Uh, and then you just have to wait until we go through camp, record everything, get them edited, and uh, put them up on a download page. They will only be offered through a direct download for the discounted uh, uh, price that I'm, that I'm offering the, the things out for. If you want a uh, DVD or something like that, you're going to have to make special arrangements, and that there will be an additional cost because there's additional work in the process of getting them that way. So I don't see anything. Wow. Either I put people to sleep or they're just listening in at work or, or whatever. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, uh, wrap up this uh, this episode of Kuden, and I will talk to everybody again next week, which will actually be uh, November 3rd. Uh, so right after that call, uh, I'll be jumping into classes to uh, uh, run things for my normal in-house students. And then 8 p.m., uh, November 3rd, uh, is when uh, our fall camp for this uh, uh, for this year kicks in, and then uh, the next big thing after that. Uh, while I do have some shooting seminars and things like that coming up, uh, somebody wants me to put more uh, a couple more uh, uh, survival things on, which I may do. Uh, but our Dicomiosai, and I know that most people in the Buddhist Con do Dicomiosai around Hatsumi Sensei's actual birthday in December. I just find that over the years, the, the attendance of these things just gets tinier and tinier. And it's because there's more and more teachers doing these things, right? So people have to pick and choose where they're going to go. So everybody's attendance has been dwindling. And on top of that, especially here in the U.S. and Canada and whatnot, uh, that's right between, uh, especially here in the U.S., it's right between the Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, holiday, which is just typically not good, especially for family folks. So what we do is we move it out into the new year and make it a New Year's uh, kickoff kind of seminar. And so uh, it also then, then uh, Saturday night we do a, a, a big birthday party kind of thing at a Japanese restaurant. Because Hatsumi Sensei's birthday 
is at the beginning of December, mine's at the beginning of January. So we just make it this combination kind of thing, do a, do a toast to husband's of faith health and, and uh, longevity, and uh, and go from there. But uh, that one will be, let me look at my calendar one more time. I just told people earlier, and uh, I just wanted to get the dates right for you. So that will be uh, January 5th, 6th, and 7th, right, here um, at the Academy and again, if anybody's looking to host something to get me where you are or whatever, you can shoot me an email and uh, we can get that set up as well that, because I've got people all over the country, all over the world, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we could put plenty of people in there. The other benefit is uh, if we do it upright, the person who hosts the uh, seminar generally pays little to nothing, plus gets a whole lot of extra time with me because you got to get me back and forth to the hotel and you got to feed me and stuff like that. So we have lots of talking time and lots of extra training time. The other benefit, too, is you get to choose the topics. Okay, So it's a cool thing, right? It's win, 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 and win, win, and win. And So anyway, uh, consider that, right? And uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so that's it. That's all I have. I'll talk to everybody again next week. So uh, thanks for joining in on this week's Kuden. Thank you for listening to KUDEN, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com. The moderator has left the conference.